on the road again. I can't wait to get on that road again. What's going on, people? This is Crazy D. This is the film review on the road. Because we 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 we're full of un, untapped ideas, mm. you know, full of them. Mm. So I see that a lot. So the first person I saw do it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you know it was like when I came through, because you you worked, you came before me, but then we became contemporaries in the '90s, mm -hmm. right? But I would hear you on the radio, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I would put flyers out. In 89 and 90, people would be laughing. I said, here you go with another flyer, crazy. Did another flyer. And then later, when I opened up, they say, oh, we used to pass out flyers, but we don't, we don't laugh at you no more. You know? And I think that that's, I think that that's the, way it, the way it is. When people look at something, they don't actually understand what the person is doing. Well, uh... I think Einstein said it in, a, in, a, in, in steps. I think it was Einstein. And he says that uh, what is it? first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. So the thing about it is when they laugh at you, you've already passed step one. That means they, you got past ignoring you, they laugh at you which is a good thing. And if you know the steps, and you follow, you know the steps, you know, okay, they were ignoring me, now they're laughing. If I keep going, I get past the fight, you know, which could be gossip, you know, you know, saying, uh, when they're saying uh, negative things to you, that's a fight, because now you have to think about it in your head, and, and, and you're either going to Stand up against it, keep moving, or you're going to, it's going to start chiseling away at you. So either way it goes, those steps is, uh, we didn't know that at the time, that somebody had already took what we were going through and said, well, here's the steps to success, and you're going the right way because you said that they were laughing at you. We just found out later on, oh, Einstein said that, one, you know, ignore, two, uh, Laugh, three, fight, four, that's when you win. So that's basically what happened. I think that, you know, Cleveland is actually where, you know, every city has those things happening, and they happen either faster or slower depending on what city you're in. See, you might be in New York, and you might go from ignore to fight in a week. So that means, hell, you 
you know, survive two weeks, you might start to feeling like you're winning because things are starting to happen. That happened in a week. Cleveland's a little slow. So, you know, you, you, you might go that whole year ignore in Cleveland. You might go a whole nother year getting laughed at. You might go a whole nother year them fighting you. But if you get past it, you win. And then with the fact that we got the internet now, you don't have to be waiting for these years if, that, if that's how they're, uh, they're coming at you. You can go ahead to the internet with these places where I was just saying, where they ignore you quicker, laugh at you quicker, fight you quicker, and then let you win. Or I'm not gonna say let you win, but accept the fact that you are a winner, you have that mentality faster. And if you're dealing on the internet, you can reach these places while maybe some place like Cleveland might be a little slower. Like, well, y'all will get hit soon, but I'm killing them in Colorado. I'm killing them in Philly. I'm killing them in the, that's the beauty of the internet. The beauty, the internet levels the playing field for smart marketers and people that's really on their, uh, on their A game. The internet is, is to, it levels the playing field amongst from corporations to street people. That's what people don't, people still, they're on the internet every day and they don't recognize that the playing field is level with the internet. Right. You know, so that's what's up with that. Because he is more than living, he is expanding his brand, and we're going to talk about it. We kind of went through it a little bit, but we're going to expand it. I'm Crazy D, and you are standing here with, I am standing here with none other than Suave Gotti. Now, for people who don't know Suave Gotti, the pink gangster, and then DNA level C. That's when you know I became of age and I was able to go out and and talk and speak and be with people. You can go live if you like, ill. You can go live. Um, when I was able to come of age and actually meet this man, because I had heard him over the radio, and he had a vinyl in his hand. It was Randall Park Mall. Randall Park Mall and it was DNA level C. White, white uh, sleeve that it was in, and white label with black writing. DNA level C is Cleveland backwards, people, right? So he handed me one of the vinyls, and when I was on the college radio station, we played that every week that we were on. It was on my mix CDs. We were uh, blasting that out, and if you have never heard it, you have to search for it on YouTube and listen to it. You know what I mean? I'm sure he's going to tell you where you can find his stuff digitally right now. But again, this is Suave Gotti. And the first question I want to ask is, give the definition of DNA level C. Okay, and it's simplicity. If you spell Cleveland backwards, you get DNA level C. Uh, I received that name from a guy named Kamar. Shout out to Kamar. When I talk to you, I'm going to make sure that you see this. But he came by my house probably about like 92. I think about 92 he came to my house. 91, 92. And he said, Swag Cleveland is, is uh, I came up with something. I want to give it to you because I know you use it. He said, DNA level C, that's Cleveland spelled backwards. So I, I took that. And uh, eventually I worked, I just, when I heard uh, 
Biggie Smalls make that uh, that juicy song, and I was listening to it, and I was like, all dude got is a like an old school R&B track loop, and he's just talking about stuff that we were familiar with and we could relate to. So that was like the, the, the psychological blueprint for me to make the DNA level C Cleveland spelled backwards, and then you know to try to, to try to get Cleveland to uh, you know feel a little more uh, better about itself because marketing wise on TV. We had been getting dog for years, you know, mistake on the lake and all that stuff. So I make this song and make people give them some pride, make them feel good. But then as years go along, you start looking at DNA level C's breakdown. And you recognize stuff like you got the DNA. And DNA is like, you know, that's the uh, where it comes from. It's, you know, this is the source. And then we start thinking about how the people who come to Cleveland and took so much stuff from here and styles and comedy and you know bone thugs in harmony with the uh with the fast uh harmonizing singing rap and and, and in some and in a lot of cases some people even feel like I could never understand what they were saying a lot of times. So if you felt like that, I mean you could even say they had the mumble rap before the one you know like right now this this, this you know the hip hop is singing and, and, you know, so you got some that just be, you know, saying something. You really don't know what they're saying. They call that mumbling. Uh, you got, you know, like, it seemed like Bone was the DNA for a lot of what we're listening to really right now. Uh, uh, and then the level C, you know, that's basically just the level that we have been looked at as and we've been fighting to you know to, to you know to move to more of a level a level A instead of a level C, you know. But and but I think that it's a good thing because when you're already on top you ain't got nowhere to go but down. But when you're down, anytime you start to come up, you become a threat. You're looked at as a threat. When you're on top, you're not looked at as a threat. You're just on top. When you're down and you start to come up, then you look at it as a threat. And that's where the struggle comes from. That's where uh, the people who get the most respect come from, these underdogs, people who have never had, never been. So that's, you know, so that's why it's DNA level C. Also, Cleveland spelled backwards. I recognize that there was a lot of people in my town who seemed like they were doing things backwards. Just a lot of, like, like, like you say, hustling backwards, doing stuff like, you know, here you make a thousand dollars, but then you'll go spend twelve hundred. And we like, well, dude, how did you, you? You ain't got no money. You just you just paid out an extra two hundred so you can make a thousand. So you know what I mean? And it's like you see people was doing stuff that's backwards. So I was like, wow. And so it kind of also meant like a lot of people was moving and thinking backwards. So it's kind of deep, but that's part of what the DNA level C, mm -hmm. you know, stands for. Back in 1995, I was just finished uh, interviewing Al Porter, mm -hmm. and I was telling him that back in 95, uh, Chuck D had come to town, mm -hmm. and Silver B was hosting, we were at Art Seafood, and he had said that the first time he actually ever heard freestyle was in Cleveland, Ohio, because 
in New York what freestyle meant was you memorized a whole bunch of rhymes and then for that moment when you were in the battle, you could pull that rhyme up mm -hmm. from the back and be able to deliver it to battle one. But the first time he actually heard people like yourself, like Al Porter or Cool TLC, were was right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we elevate hip hop because we were so enamored by what the NYC was doing that when they said freestyle, we said, well, we got to learn how to do that, and we actually took it to another level. And I've been around, round places, and I can tell you that the way that we do it, the way the DJs do it, for one thing, there's no better DJs. And the way that the MCs do it with the actual freestyling, I've heard a lot, I've been around a lot of places, and the freestyling right here in Cleveland is second to none. Yeah, well, you know, our city started to step in. Uh, as far as in the streets, okay? I mean, the stepping used to be in the colleges, but we had it as a culture in the streets. We stepped against each other in the street. That was a part of our DNA, which eventually wound up being in the stump the yards and the step it ups and all this other stuff. And then uh, what he just said with uh, the DJs, you know, a lot of our DJs is the ones who really gave you the blueprint for the real uh, mix tapes, mix CDs, the real joints, you know? Um, you know, um, freestyling. Say, I tell people, this is where freestyling started, right here in Cleveland, Ohio. And Chuck D seen, all right, Chuck D, he, he seen uh, Bango the B-Boy Outlaw at the, uh, what is it? The, 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 oh, see, now, work. pull forward, because he's getting ready to give the actual huh. person to Chuck, so. Oh yeah. yeah Chuck said Chuck said it at the table, but he didn't say who he saw. So here's the history connect right here. So these the people, the man that he saw was uh at the time like my arch nemesis in the streets, and that was Bango the B-boy outlaw. And uh Bango was up there in New York just killing these dudes, tearing them alive, because cutting out on freestyle. So, but what happened when he got to uh when he got to uh, Grandmaster Cass, the one who wrote for an old boy from uh, Sugar Hill Gang, for I think he was from the what was it, from the something Funky Four, yeah, yeah, something plus like that, one, yeah. right? But anyway, Bangle was tearing him alive. It's on YouTube. You can go here. But the thing about it, I understand it. We got New York judges. This dude's from Cleveland, Level C. We ain't about to put no Level C guy over our, uh, you know, our New York. Uh, legend. I mean, I understand that. We the, we the judges. We ain't about to keep it fair like that. We gonna be, he, he won. Even though it's obvious, Bango won. And and it was obvious to Ice-T as well. Because that's why he signed him to uh, Syndicate Records. Then he heard Surge the next year. And uh, these are the things, this is when the, the New York found out that these Cleveland guys they can really rap off their head. They can really make up the rhymes off their head. And uh, like I said, that's why this is the DNA, man. So much stuff that's come from here. But since we're the level C, the world don't 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 know it. It's not it's not in the history books, and it's not marketed. It's not told that Cleveland is uh, the inventor and the founder. I mean, or the father of a lot of these different styles and stuff like that. So, why do you find it? so important to be a historian 
before we even get on you as an artist, I'm going to come to that, but you have, I'm expanding and showing how much you have done. Why do you find it important to be a historian of Cleveland culture, period? Because not only do you do DVDs on hip-hop, but you've done DVDs on the street life here, the, the, the gangsters and the players that were here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I would say that uh, well, what really, really helped me was, you know, metaphysically speaking, was uh, just coming to a realization and an understanding that uh, being worshipped or uh, looked up to from a from a, a celebrity perspective, it just it does it didn't do it doesn't do anything for me. So, you know, and since that happened, I still had to do something to keep hip-hop further in the culture. Because the culture did give me an identity and gave me a career. Uh, and it's protected me. It's been security. You know, I've been able to walk through any neighborhood, any project, any, any, you know what I'm saying? So, since I wasn't really uh, trying, since you know, psychologically, I didn't need to feel like a star, a celebrity, you know, so I didn't need anybody, people to tell me how good I am. Uh, just to say it to you like this, I, you know, I've done it so much, I kind of know how good I am. I don't need to constantly hear it. So, only thing that I could think of to do, man, is to preserve the culture of the city. And that way I can, that's how, that's how I can, you know, contribute and help uh, and not be like a lot of other selfish people that I think are were still running around trying to get glory because they missed it in their heyday or whatever, whatever. I mean, I really, I really feel like I got a dose. Like, man, I see what it's like to be popular. I see what it's like to be known and to feel like everybody know your name. And da -da 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 -da. Okay, I'm no longer impressed by that. I don't need that to sustain. Now I need the culture that gave me a job and a career. I need that to survive. And I didn't, because it didn't appear to be surviving well. So we started to film and hold on to flyers and, and tell people interviews because we felt like if we don't do this, the, the city is going to die psychologically from the real culture of hip-hop and to me that would have been a travesty I wouldn't have felt good to for it to die and I knew that well you could have helped it you know I would have felt like uh, Peter Parker when the dude bumped into him and uh, police was like stop him now you know you got these superpowers but you're like hey it ain't my problem and he runs outside and he kills your uncle now you want to be super you want to be spider-man now but you, you know what I'm saying? That's how I felt. I was like, I, I don't need you to bump into me, run outside and kill my uncle. Now I want to help the city. I'm going to do that now. And that's basically part of that was about preserving the history of the city. Because I recognized every other city, somebody was doing that for their city. And I didn't see 
nobody really doing it here, so that's what I came in to be become a historian and to preserve the city. That is such a profound statement mm -hmm. that you had to make sure that because uh, no one else was doing it, you yeah. took it upon yourself to do it. Now, is that that's the hip hop spirit? Yeah, I mean, it no was, one it was, was parents. It. it was like hip hop was was our parents, you know. And you see your parents getting old. You want you know you 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 know you you want to go feed them or you want to be around them. And if your parents were these great people who used to do everything for the neighborhood and for the streets and all that, then that's another reason why you want to be like, let me tell you all about what my mother did or whatever, whatever, what my father did. Well, that was hip hop. That was our parents, you know. So that was like, what, do you let your parents' memory die? No, you're trying to get it picture to put out there so people could see it or if you find a video of them you lose your mind you want everybody to see that so that's all it was it was just preserving the hip-hop being a historian it's just like it's like you know preserving your your parents because they gave you your identity okay you so let, let, let's go to what was your first introduction to hip-hop and then what because arguably Cleveland is a DJ city. That's mm -hmm. how it came in, mm -hmm. as DJ. Absolutely, really, right? Absolutely. So what was your first introduction to hip-hop, and what made you decide to go MC instead of DJ route? Uh, let's see. Well, when I, when I heard, uh, I think, let's say, Curtis Blow the Breaks, that was catchy. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Then when I heard Sugar Hill Gang, hip hop, the hip, the hip, the hip, and all that, that was catchy. I liked it. When I heard Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash, and the Furious Five, and uh, the message, that was when I was. Not only did I like it now, but I was motivated to write something in that fashion. So I wrote a little junior high school rap because I was get, I was in sixth grade, getting ready to go to the seventh grade. So I was getting ready to go from from grade school to junior high, Jamison Junior High, Harvard, which is where Alfred Porter went to. And since I was you know getting ready to go, I wrote my junior high song where I thought it would be going to junior high. It's your first day of junior high. Pick up your books and say bye-bye. You're beginning to cry because you're all alone. Something, something, something. Your stomach is, is hungry. You start to moan and groan. Uh, you feel all right. A, te uh, uh, a teacher pushes you and you're in a fight. I don't know if I said a teacher pushes you. Somebody pushes you and you're in a fight. The principal comes struggling with his cane. He hits you with his stick and you go insane. Right now. So that was my first rap I ever wrote. And you need to hold some of that because we got to interview him too. So, uh, after I wrote that, I thought it was cool. At some point, I never, I don't know, my mind never thought about being a DJ. I just, I never, I, never. I never thought about being but a DJ. But there were dudes in the schoolhouse who was like, I want to be Jam Master Jack. You know what? I don't know. I felt like the, the thing about it in my school I didn't really know any DJs. I never knew, like, 
early on, I didn't really know any of the DJs. So I, it was kind of like where the world that I was outside of. I didn't know any DJs. I ain't know nobody who had no turntables, nothing. And when I heard in 84, and I heard UTFO, Roxanne, Roxanne, we I was in the car, coming from an AA meeting with my mother and my father. We was in, we was in Lisaville and Warrensville Heights, Ohio. We was coming out. It was 9 o'clock when it was over. We went in at 7. We was out at 9. I had my coffee, had my donuts, because that's what I was. I was uh, 14 years old. No, we were talking about we had 14 years old. I got my coffee, my donuts. I get in the car. Jim Wilson used to be the principal of Jameson. He was he was uh, my mother and father's uh, whatever they call sponsor, AA sponsor. So he was taking us home because my mother and father ain't drive. I'm in the back seat and all I heard was the radio say, "World, world, world premiere." I know you're gonna dig this. Yo, EMG. Yeah, what's up, man? Take that girl. I'm sitting in the back seat and I'm looking around. Like, what the hell is this? Because this was, man, they ain't the, the, the rap prior to that did not sound like this. The rap prior to that was on some, we don't say super verse because we rock the house. It was like that. But now, it was like me and you talking. Yo, EMD. Yeah, what's up, man? There go that girl you call Roxanne. She's so stuck up. Why do you say that? Because she wouldn't give a guy like me no rap. See, I was walking down the street. So I was, I was like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> rap, prior to, rap prior to 84 did not sound like that. And it was like, oh, man, I'm listening. And he was talking about this girl. And then 14 years old, that's all we cared about. If he was a heterosexual male, was girl. So I'm hearing this, you know, I had just came from the mall. I think that Saturday was on a Saturday. I'm hearing this. That's when I knew I was going to be a rapper. Just off that song. That was it. I knew that, that the rest of my life I'd be rapping. And we're going to take a break right here and come right back. You're watching the film review On the Road. On the Road again. I can't wait to get on Crazy thing. This is the film review on the road. 